Frank, we're in the Lincoln Room. And where are the microphones concealed in this famous room? Well, Frank, there's one cunningly hidden in the frame of this beautiful portrait of President Lincoln by the talented artist Thomas Merriwell. It's an omnidirectional microphone, and it can pick up any conversation in the room, even a whisper. Is that the only recording device in the Lincoln Room, Mrs. Nixon? No, Frank. There's also a smaller microphone concealed behind this handsome bronze bust of Abraham Lincoln by the noted sculptor Carl Gustav Grotelli. And there is a separate tape recorder in that handsome mahogany roll-top desk where you'll be interested to know President Lincoln signed the famous Emancipation Proclamation that freed the slaves. Well, there certainly is history everywhere you look in this remarkable building, isn't there, Mrs. Nixon? Yes, and microphones, too, Frank. There's another one under the seat of this lovely Duncan Fife settee, where Mrs. Lincoln used to sit to serve tea on formal occasions. It's too bad there weren't tape recorders in those days, isn't it? Think of the many historic moments that must have taken place in just this one room of the White House, if these old walls could talk. Actually, Frank, they can. There are a pair of miniature speakers mounted in those charming Queen Anne sconces on either side of the mantelpiece, so the President can listen in to what's going on in the many other rooms in the White House when he is in here. Well, that's quite something, Mrs. Nixon. And, uh, what room is this we're entering now? Frank, this is the Blue Room, one of my very favorite rooms in the White House. It was here that Thomas Jefferson used to come for a few precious moments of relaxation. He used to sit at that lovely 18th century inlaid fruitwood desk where the master recording system has been placed. And he signed the famous Louisiana Purchase with the quill pen in that inkwell where one of the smaller microphones is now located. That certainly is a really remarkable collection of silver. Uh, did it belong to one of our presidents? Yes, that silver belonged to President John Quincy Adams, and several other pieces were made by Paul Revere. Frank, I bet you can't spot the dummy one. <laughs> uh, no, Mrs. Nixon, I can't. Wh which one is it? It's a silver pepper shaker in the center. It's actually a microphone. It's only used for ceremonial occasions like state dinners, so the president can listen in on interesting conversations he might have missed by being at a different end of the table. We have a set of 16 of them. Tell me, Mrs. Nixon, with all this history around you, have you ever felt, well, that the house is haunted? Have you ever had any ghosts? Oh, no, Frank. All the TV cameras are closed circuit. They give a very clear picture. TV cameras? Yes, there's one right over there on that Williamsburg Maple High Boy. It's connected to a lens in the right eye of that gorgeous portrait of President Jackson. Notice how it seems to wink at you? Isn't that something? And what's behind this door? Oh, that leads to the green room. Oh, don't use that knob, Frank. We'll give that poor man in the basement quite an earache. <laughs> That's pretty clever. Well, this is really a spectacular room, Mrs. Nixon. The high ceilings, that intricate plaster work, and that huge crystal chandelier. Yes, but the echo is terrible. There's an awful lot of feedback. Due to technical difficulties beyond our control, it's a lousy system, it's just a little Sony, we will return you now to some semblance of reality. At a recent speech, after a dinner at which the First Lady received the coveted Woman of the Century Award, President Richard Nixon related the tale of a conversation he'd had with his mother as she lay dying in her hospital bed. Don't you quit, Ma, he'd said. And she looked up at him and answered, And don't you ever quit either, Richard. 
Upon hearing this, the assembled dinner guests stood up and applauded. Needless to say, Mr. Nixon recorded his final conversation with his mother, and, thanks to the untiring efforts of the National Lampoon's Washington correspondent, Mr. John Dean, we have been able to obtain a copy of the tape. Richard, oh, I'm surprised to see you. How are you, Ma? I'm dying, son, is what I am. Dying? Yes. Right here and now? Right here and now. The doctors say I may quit this veil of tears within the next few minutes. Then there's no time to lose. Hi. Mother, what? I've uh, prepared a little statement which I have right here in my pocket. That's nice. I wonder, Ma, as a last favor to me, mm. if you'd mind mm. reading it. Okay, you must be kidding. And I'm deadly serious, Ma. Hi. All right, all right. Give me the paper. Give me my bifocals. Okay. Richard, don't ever let America become a pitiful, helpless giant. Really, now, I... What please, Ma, here? please, go ahead. All right. <clears throat> Richard, it is your mission to protect the sacred tenant of executive privilege... No matter what fearful pressures are put upon you to abandon it, you'll never get angry at those for whom you have no respect. Always be ready to take the responsibility, but never the blame. There may come a time, Richard, when they will try to cut the president's legs off, but they will only be hurting America if they do. <coughs> I, keep in mind my boy, that Haldeman and Ehrlichman are two of the nicest public servants you will ever have the privilege to know. <clears throat> Sonny, you got what it takes. You're not a crook. <laughs> come on, come on, come on. You're almost done. God help me, God boy. Mother, mother, there's just one more line. For America's sake, if not mine, please, please try to read it. Oh, God. Give it a try. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Ma. Here, lie back, Ma. I'll cue you. I'll cue you. Ready? Okay. Don't you quit, Ma. And don't you ever quit either, Richard. Oh, hello, Doctor. Uh, how are you? I'd better have a look at your mother. There may still be something no, we can... No, no, doctor, don't you worry about it. I'm sure you must be a very busy man. Why don't you run along? I'll take care of things here. Bye now, doc. Bye-bye. And now, the National Lampoon Radio Hour presents Laughs from the Past. <laughs> Take you now to uh, Ike's apartment. We hear Ike uh, talking to uh, Sherm. <laughs> well, how are we going to get out of this? I said I got an idea. You're going to laugh at me for saying this. What? The, the newspapers are really bringing all the heat on us. So if we could think of a headline to sort of wipe it out just for four or five days, well, what could we do? How about getting one of the cabinet members assassinated? 
Well, I don't know. It's... Uh, some of those things backfire. Maybe if we could, you know, just get them, not in this country, somewhere else, maybe, you know. I got an idea. Switch on the intercom. Seal, send in Nixon. <laughs> Nick, sweetie, sit down, baby. Ah, oh, has he cute? Has a black curly head, devil? Uh, get some of that twelve-year-old scotch over here, little Havana, huh, baby? Uh, sweetie, what's going on? Yeah, don't put me on, Ike. <laughs> Nobody's putting you on, you know? It's weird. You hang around the pair. And I got the, the greatest idea for you. How'd you like to go to Lebanon? <laughs> Why don't you stop, Ike? Like, I don't want to go on any more trips. <laughs> My not. You're kidding, they'll love you over there. No, they won't love me over there, and I don't want to go. Let me stay for a few days, all right? Why'd you send Dulles? He's been home for two days. Oh, is that ridiculous, huh? Send my sweetie over there, huh? Come back with a Moroccan wallet, huh? When you like that? And a secretary, huh? Oh, that's all. Leave me alone. I don't want to go anywhere anymore.